probably most of the country like, whoa, this coming weekend. They're like, whoa, you know, how hard he goes. They're like, whoa, the kid was going to throw for 500 yards. They're like, whoa, you know, how hard he goes. They're like, whoa, and this is his opportunity to take it and run with it. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. Welcome back to the 11 Dubcast, everybody. I am Michael Citro. I am Johnny Ginner. And Johnny, I, I'm really excited about this week because I think this is the week that we as Buckeye Nation always come together as one and rally around each other. It's the classic Big Ten rivalry between Ohio State and Rutgers this weekend. Yeah. Um, you remember it from your childhood growing up. You know, <laughs> you always look forward to that Rutgers Ohio State matchup every year. And, um, you know, that's what we got going on this week. So, what are you thinking? Going into this week, off of a bye against the mighty Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. I remember as a young boy, you know, laying awake at night, the the night before the Ohio State Rutgers game, just saying, just praying to myself that, oh, you know, that Ohio State would be able to beat the mighty Scarlet Knights out of Piscataway. So, I yeah, I'm incredibly hyped for this game. I'm really excited. Um, one team is you know like building. Something I think they're they're starting to like kind of coalesce a little bit, maybe gain some mem- momentum. Uh, and the other team is, uh, you know, Rutgers. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a team. Uh, I'm interested in. <laughs> it's a team. It's a team. There you have it. You can't get that kind of analysis just anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me put it this way: I put them. Maybe I'm not giving Rutgers enough respect. Um, I probably am, but let's say I'm not. You know, I think this is a game that you want to see Ohio State win comfortably. I kind of put them on the same level as Maryland in terms of, like, a win that is, would be nice, but isn't going to necessarily prove anything. Um, but, you know, one of the big things that we saw in the past, like, you know, several weeks is the improvement from Ohio State, both offensively and defensively. And you just want to see that continue. I mean, this is another one of those games where you're like, all right, this is a building game. This is a game where you want to see market improvement from certain guys. And guys who have impressed, you want to see them continue to impress. So it's, it's just, you know, <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have a wooden animal that we exchange with them. We don't have, like, a horrible heated rivalry. But it'll still be fun to play them. I mean, this is a new team, and it's just it's it's something new. And I, you know, I actually really enjoyed the Maryland game, and I think I'll enjoy this one too. Yeah, I agree with you in the fact that it's it's something. You know, we're not really sure what to expect. The Maryland game, I had no idea what was going to happen in that game, and it and and it was different. It was refreshing, and it was it was just a, a different experience. And I'm. You know, we joke about Rutgers, but in all honesty, they are not a bad football team at all. No. Um, they they definitely defeated Michigan, and they're going to be hyped up, hyped up to go for the sweep of the Big Two. Uh, you know, the the historical Big Two of the Big Ten. Um, they're going to come in 3:30 at the Horseshoe Saturday. Uh, it's going to be crazy. Ramsey's going to be there. Yeah. And um, so you know, make him buy you some bourbon. <laughs> uh, if you see Ramsey, make him buy you some bourbon. You should, in fact, and you should you all actively seek out Ramsey. And uh, yeah. Yeah, you probably want to make him. If you just hang out with him, you'll just have bourbon by osmosis. That's right. You, you'll point. absorb it through your skin. <laughs> um, so here, here comes Rutgers. They got a good record. They're not a bad football team, although they've they've shown that their defense can be a little suspect at times. Right. Um, their their marquee player is their quarterback and their wide receivers. Gary Nova, their quarterback. What are your thoughts on on Gary Nova? Does he scare you, given the fact that Ohio State's 
defensive backs have had some issues in communication this year? Uh, he doesn't really scare me. I mean, he's he's a decent quarterback, but he's definitely streaky. I mean, you know, you're like, okay, Gary Nova, and then you're like, oh, Gary Nova. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think he has the potential to be really good. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where he's at the end of the season. But I'm not super afraid of him. I mean, one of the things that I, you know, that's important to keep in mind. Christian Hackenberg is somebody who I was thinking about today, actually. Like, that guy's got all the talent in the world. But if unless you have the offensive line in front of you to give you time to throw, it doesn't matter how good you are. And, you know, if Ohio State's defensive line continues playing like they have been playing, which is really, really, really good, um, I think that'll pretty much mitigate, you know, even good Gary coming out. So I'm not like super afraid of him. And I honestly, like I'm, I've been really heartened by the way that the linebackers and the defensive backs have played in the past several games. So I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm the arrow is pointing up on, on this game defensively. And so I think I'm, I'm not super scared of the dude. Yeah. So Nova had five interceptions against Penn state. That was probably his low watermark for uh, not only this season, but maybe for his career. Uh, five interceptions against Penn State, and they still almost won that game. Right, um, which I <laughs> think says more enough. about Penn State than Rutgers, to be honest. But yeah. it probably does. Yeah, I mean, Penn State was a mess. Uh, their offensive line is just uh, atrocious right now, and and Michigan made them look really bad. Right. Um, this past week. Um, so anyway, uh, we think that we think that Ohio State's going to take care of business against Rutgers. That's that's the take that you're getting here from Johnny and myself. And um, you know, we'll see. I mean, there are new, our new division rivals, and uh, it should be an interesting game. Well, uh, Kyle Flood bringing his kids into Columbus. Yeah, you know what though? Like, and that's the thing that I want to talk about real quick because, as much as I don't want to call it a blow-off game, but it is definitely like not a game that I'm like super scared about. But it's an important game because if Ohio State wants to be in the Big Ten conversation, these are games that they have to win. Like, they cannot afford another slip-up. And, you know, Michigan State's going to be hard enough. They have to take care of everything but that, at the very least, to to look, you know, like they've got a shot at some of these things. So, you know, as much as, like, a lot of Ohio State fans may look at, uh, you know, Rutgers and go, well, this isn't that big of a deal, it's Rutgers, blah, 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 it is a big deal because – especially, and I, I still think this is incredibly far-fetched, but for whatever reason, we're still in the narrative, especially if you want to still be in that Final Four at the end of the year in the playoff picture. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, and frankly, I don't think Ohio State deserves to be in that playoff picture right now. Although, frankly, who knows, because the next several weeks may completely <laughs> blow that up. But I, these are the games that you have to take care of, and there should be a certain level of nervousness just because this is a big game because it's a game. And you know, that's one of the things that I think Ohio State probably should, you know, wrap their heads around mentally, especially coming off a bye week where they yeah. I think they need to be refocused and ready to play this game. Cuz well, I'm I'm glad you brought <clears> that up actually. I was going to I was going to ask you what you think of uh you know, Ohio State coming off a bye week because you know, sometimes that can be a good thing. You need right. you get your rest, you get some injuries taken care of. Sometimes it could be a bad thing because and we've heard a lot the last week about Urban Meyer saying he thought this would be a bad bye week because the team had momentum and they didn't want to break that momentum up. How does does Urban keep the team focused and and approach this game much differently than the fans? If you and I are any indication, 
thinking that it's going to be, you know, maybe not that big a deal. I mean, how does you can't slip up? We've seen too much chaos the last two weeks. Yeah, I really hate that we have two bye weeks that early in the season and, and that close together. Like, you want a bye week like mid November, early November, when your team is kind of banged up and you need guys some, to get guys some rest, and you've got a big game coming up and you want a game plan. You do not want a bye week when your team has momentum, is mostly healthy and is just going to be, like, going through the motions for a week. Like, that's not good. And I completely understand why Urban Meyer would say that. Like, that's – you want your team to be hyped up. And if you've got momentum, you can tell your team, well, all right, got this ball rolling. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. It's hard to do that for two weeks. And it's hard to do that when you've got an entire week where nothing's happening. So – Maybe, I don't know, maybe a motivational tactic would be, hey, we could be at, back in the national picture, everybody's losing, you know, the, the <laughs> you know, the car is blown up, like castling with dogs, like this whole college football season is going like completely nuts. So uh, maybe that's what you say, but I, I think improvement is still the game with this team. They're still not, in my opinion, maybe a top seven or eight team, uh, which they really need to be if they want to get to that conversation. So. I don't. It's hard. It's really hard, and I'm I'm really curious to see how they come out, like especially in the first quarter, because one of the things that's really interesting about Urban Meyer's teams is how quickly they have started uh, out of the gate. Like they're really fast starting team, and then they kind of like maybe slow down a little bit in the second, third quarters, and then they tend to pick it back up in the fourth quarter. But like, I'm really curious to see how they come out against Rutgers, and. I think a big part of it will also be maybe the crowd. I want to, you know, if the crowd's into it, it's a good, you know, like weather day. I think that'll definitely benefit Ohio State. If not, that could maybe slow them down a little bit. Yeah, I like that it's a late afternoon game rather than a, a noon. Yeah, you know, nooners. Nooners can be very flat, and uh, you know, I, I think he's done a good coaching job this year, though, of preparing his team mentally for, you know, game times and things like that, like. You know, he talked about putting them to bed early for the Maryland game at noon and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so Ohio State Rutgers, uh, you can't take them lightly. I mean, Michigan State Purdue was a one-score game late in the fourth quarter with <laughs> Purdue having the ball. Yeah. So I mean, you can't ever take anything for granted. And um, uh, what USC had a fourteen or two touchdown lead with uh, I don't know, like a buck twenty to go against Arizona. Well, I mean, shoot, I mean, TCU. Arizona State, yeah, TCU Baylor, blew a 21-point fourth-quarter lead. I mean, you just never know. Right. Um, so Ohio State needs to come out strong, and uh, I think one thing that will help is he gave a lot of the younger players a lot of reps this week, guys like Jalen Holmes. Yep. And, and on the flip side, some of the veterans, he gave a little bit more time off to rest and stay fresh, guys like Michael Bennett and, and Joey Bosa, all the Bosa being the grizzled veteran as a sophomore is kind of funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's change uh, gears a little bit, Johnny. Let's talk about what's going on with Jameis Winston. I mean, he now he's under investigation for this for this thing uh, with the autographs, yeah. 950 plus items autographed uh, <laughs> from this one particular autograph dealer. Yeah. Um, you know, he's already been. I mean, dude's already stolen crab legs. He's had that incident in the. Student union where he got up on the table and yelled obscenities that, that were demeaning to women. Um, he's still got the thing, the cloud over his head from the alleged sexual assault. Definitely a conspiracy. Is my feeling on it, Johnny? And tell me if you agree. Nothing's going to happen. Jameis <laughs> is going to play <laughs> no, the whole season. Gonna nothing's going to happen to the guy. They they couldn't they couldn't prove that Manzel sold uh, you know his autograph. Uh, they're just not going to get him. Oh man. I, I look. <laughs> 
the NCAA and students right now, it's like Hogan's Heroes, right? Like the NCAA <laughs> is Colonel is. Clink and, and like all these players are Hogan and his crew. Like it's ridiculous. Like they're going circles. Jimbo. Yeah. <laughs> like they're running circles around these dudes. Like it's hilarious. No, he's not going to get in trouble. And, and I want to tell you something. You want to you want to really freak out? Like do a search on eBay of like your favorite college football player and then just autograph and, and see how many items pop up because I promise you it's a lot and yes. it, it's just, it's happening. It's happening all over the place. I couldn't give a crap. Like good. Like I, <laughs> that's one of the stupidest rules. I think like I, of all the things the NCAA should be allowing, like that is one of the most benign, silly things. And even if it's a lot of money, I don't care. It's, it's a, a freaking right. signature. Um, so that's, I agree that it's a stupid rule. I mean, it, it is. Yeah, um, but I don't think the NCAA has any chance of catching these guys. Like, unless, <laughs> again, they had Johnny Manziel, like, talking about it. <laughs> they couldn't yeah. nail him. So the idea that they're going to get Jameis is just hilarious to me. I don't – he'll be fine. Now, <clears throat> he may be a piece of crap for all the other things that he's done and said, and and that may very well be true, and, and he probably should not be playing football on the basis of those things. But as far as like selling on it, like whatever, like that's not gonna that's not gonna be the thing that brings down the the house of uh, Jameis. I don't think. What do you think of the the disparity between the way that Mark Richt handled Todd Gurley and the way that Jimbo Fisher's handling Jameis Winston? I mean, you know, at one I think at a point in time in my life, I'd be like, I'm really mad about this, you know, like man, Jimbo. Blah, blah, blah whatever, like at, at a certain point I, I stopped caring because Mark Rick, look, I, I like the guy and I, I think he's a principal dude and, and he's done other things for his players that have shown how he's a principal guy, especially with his uh, effort to get them help after they play football, you know, with job training and things like that. Like the guy clearly cares and I, I think he has, you know, a pretty, I don't know what the word be. He has a pretty set agenda about how, like, he has a good idea of who he wants to be as a football coach. And he mm-hmm. adheres to that those principles pretty well. Um, I don't care if Jimbo Fisher doesn't. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> At one time, I would. And, you know, but maybe this is, it's funny, because you could probably say, if somebody was looking back in the past, like, oh, that's just residual, you know, that's the after fact, after uh, math of uh, Jim Trestle, you know, being found out for what he did. And that's why you're saying that. And maybe that's true, but you know, I used to, I think I used to buy into that ideal that maybe we thought Jim Tressel was. And yeah, I think my worldview has changed a little bit. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, I think that Jimbo's doing the, the, the thing that he can do to save his, you know, to save his, his own rear end. Really? Sure. I mean, his job is to win football games. Right. What gives him the best chance to win football games is to have his Heisman Trophy quarterback there. Um, how much Jimbo is being told the truth versus, you know, being snowed under, and how much does he buy of it, I don't know. Right. Um, it, there seems to be a lot of smoke with Jameis Winston. We can't, we don't have any proof of fire. We just see the smoke. And, um, you know, Jimbo is going a little bit out of his way, I think. Uh, and it's coming off as a little bit smug and a little bit crass, but uh, he's going out of his way to talk about what a great kid this is, yeah. contrary to all the other things that we're seeing going on. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, he's doing what he needs to do for him, you know, and that's, you know, I can't fault the guy for that. That's, you know, you could take a stand or you can say, you know, 
everything's fine. Yeah, Nothing I mean, to I, see I here. think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there is a, quite a lot of evidence to the contrary that Jameis is a quality young man. But, you know, again, like, you know, as much as I would like to not see Jameis Winston succeed or win Heisman or win national championship or do one of these other things, um, he has, despite being, by all accounts, a pretty crappy person. Um, but I don't know. I mean, again, I don't know if he actually is. And, and frankly, I don't think that I can make those accusations and just say I want a guy to get punished because I don't like him. Right. And that's basically what it boils down to. Now, is Jim Fisher being smug about it? Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yes, the answer is definitively yes. But does that should that be enough to, like, you know, hang the guy up? No. So, you know, I again, as much as I dislike Jameis Winston on a personal level, what we have some kind of evidence that we can be fairly sure about is something I personally don't give a crap about. And the other stuff, we don't have enough to really make them stop. And right. in America, that's that's innocent until proven guilty is pretty important. And yes, yes. And that's kind of where important. I'm at with it. So if I see hard evidence that Jameis has done some pretty terrible things, and, and by that I mean the sexual assault and you know some of the other stuff, like... The shoplifting, stupid, but doesn't make me hate the guy. But the, the sexual assault stuff, that's the kind of thing that, if proven, would completely change my opinion on it, I think. Right, and Florida State will have uh, a lot to answer for. Oh, yeah, you God. Know, it, you know, because uh, of the covering up the and, and hindering the investigation and right. that kind of thing. So, uh, But let's move on, Johnny, to some Ask Us Anything. Yay! Uh, we'll leave... We'll leave scandal behind for for this week, and we'll we'll move ahead to some other things that we like to do. We're going to start with Jason Wyatt, who wants to know who is the best Buckeye in the NFL right now. Ooh, very good question. I don't. Well, it's not Mike Nugent. Um, <laughs> womp womp. God, that. I mean, honestly, like I, you know, I'm a Bengals fan. I expect the Bengals to lose. Um, that's whatever. Even when they have a good team, I'm like, nah, 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 they're losing. <laughs> I, you know, and, and I've, I've said this before, like Bengals fans have a completely different perspective on things than Browns fans. Bengals fans always expect to lose. Browns fans always expect to win. So they get super mad when it doesn't happen. Bengals fans, when we lose, are just kind of like, ah, whatever. I feel really bad for Mike Nugent and I feel more bad for him than the rest of the team, <laughs> frankly, cause I don't. You know, I kind of take a perverse pleasure in watching the Bengals lose. But um, best right now, I don't know, is Malcolm Jenkins, is he the dude right now? I mean, I haven't seen enough of the Eagles to really be able to tell. He's been playing uh, pretty well. To be honest with you. And, and they just pitched he, that shutout. So I, I think he might be up there. He might be. I, you know, I'm going to throw this name out. I don't know if he's the best right now. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there at you, and it's kind of going to make some people go, huh? Hmm. But I'll tell you. You would never know it because of the quarterback play on his team, but I think Brian Hartline is playing really, really well right now. I gotta now. tell you something, dude. Like he's been playing really well for like three or four years now. He really has. And it's infuriating. I mean, thousand yard receiver yeah. and all that. <laughs> and he's like one of the least liked Buckeyes in the league, just because. I know people don't like him. Well, it's because people the, don't like the Hartline. It's because he. It's because of the way he handled the whole Pryor uh, Beckman situation, where he was pretty vocal in saying that you know Pryor was. Not the choice, and he was he was being a turd in the locker room and things like that. Yeah. Um, but he's great. He's really good. He's an and he is probably the least likely wide receiver out of all Ohio State wide receivers in the past, like you know, ten years or so. That I would say, oh, if he's in the NFL, he's going to be really good. Like, I would not have put money on that. But he's done great. He's he's been really really good in the NFL. 
Yeah, so we'll we'll I mean it's it's tough. I watched uh, I watched the Dolphins Packers this past week and it was I was actually a little bit disappointed even though he's playing for the team that wasn't my favorite team to hear very little about AJ Hawk. I mean, he was not yeah. a presence at all on the field and I, that made me sad, but um, he's, he's mediocre. I mean, that, that's basically, you know, AJ Hawk is a serviceable NFL linebacker and that's pretty much Yeah, he can play the run. I, I don't think much of his pass defense uh, in the NFL, but um I don't know. It, the, the guys that I've been watching, most of them have been struggling, except for early in the season when Shazier was playing really well. Um, but yeah, and, and Hyde also the first couple of weeks was playing really well. And I haven't, again, I, I just haven't watched enough games this year yeah. to really know. But, Hayward, but I, Cameron I, I, Hayward's I think Hartline's got to be up there. Yeah, I've, I've, and I've heard that too. We don't get a lot of Steelers games down here. Right. But, um, and I don't have the Sunday ticket because I'm not wealthy, but that's you know, <laughs> just way. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Johnny Murray asks, hey, fellow Johnny, uh, he's thinking of taking a year off of work to finish his master's Ooh. or or take classes part-time and continue to work. What do we? What do I do, boys? Uh, I mean, I got – so I have my master's, but I have my master's in education, and I started like immediately after I – graduated from undergrad so i just went right into it i man i know some people who did it while i was getting my master's degree i know some people who did like they worked and they did their master's time and it was crazy because they had to take like a leave to do student teaching and all that other stuff um man i don't know i think it depends on the program i think it totally depends on the program and what you're going for if you want to be like some kind of like chemical engineer or something probably want to focus on that um (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I, I think it depends on the program. I personally would lean towards if you've got the cash, if you can take the time off, do it. Focus on your education. Do it right. You know, get it done quickly. Don't go insane. Grad school is hard enough as is. So, yeah. Yeah, my take on it is uh, if you don't have to work, why would you work? Yeah. If you don't have to do it, don't do it. Take the year off and finish your master's. There you go. Yeah, Johnny, your problem, your problem solved. Your problem is solved. solved. We just solved it for you. Uh, Bucknuts on Twitter uh, wants to know, will Anthony Schlegel record a tackle this week? <laughs> uh, Just strength so. coach, Anthony Schlegel. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with law of averages and say no, no tackles. <laughs> I mean, Unless, you know, it's not. like one of his, maybe if it's one of his own guys and he makes a really great play and comes off the sideline and Schlegel might tackle him, you know, like out of happiness. But uh, I, I don't see another uh, body slam. Yeah, I think his eligibility has worn out, and I think he's probably a little more cautious uh, Mm -hmm. destroying dudes, especially after that kid got all upset. Yeah, he's probably gotten a talking to from the the authorities at Ohio State and the legal team and all that. Uh, And the last question comes from our own DJ Burns. Yay! Uh, He wants to know, if Urban Meyer died tomorrow, oh, that's sad, uh, who would you want to replace him at OSU, no current OSU assistance? (laughs) Uh, DJ with the morbid question. If he died tomorrow, I don't know. That's that's. I gotta tell you something. Like I was, I was really afraid last time we had a. You know, we were looking for dudes after you know Luke Fickle kind of you know crapped the bed there because I was like, man, it's a admired nobody. Like for me, like I was like, uh-huh. what, like Bo Pelini? <laughs> uh, maybe we could poach Dan Mullen before Michigan tries to. That might be an option. Uh, Dan Mullen has done some pretty amazing things, although if he can keep it up, although I doubt that. But if he could keep it up, I mean, maybe that would be a guy. Super shady in terms of recruiting, probably. But, you know, um, 
I don't know, Dan Mullen, I guess. All right. That's good. That's a solid choice. I, I think Mullen might, you know, he might do it. You know, the, his old buddy Urban passes away, and he, he might, you know, do it as a tribute to him yeah. and take the job and that kind of thing. I mean, I mean, DJ, you can't word the question this way. If Urban Meyer died tomorrow, of course one of the assistant coaches would uh, take well, over. Yeah, it would but, probably be fickle. Okay, but hypothetical. Uh, okay, new but in his in his hypothetical, here's what I'm in going the off season. I'm going with the return of the vest. <laughs> <laughs> the triumphant return. Is this, return Shoka, is this of the Shoka's vest. over? I don't care. I don't even care. <laughs> he could he could serve a suspension. I don't even care. I think it uh, is. I would bring in the, I would bring him in just to troll the entire college football world. Oh my god. Um and, and if he didn't want to leave uh, Youngstown State, I'd go for D'Antonio. Uh D'Antonio is a great choice. Um yeah. I think can't over. I think we should do that. I think we should bring the vest back. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. That would be <laughs> how mad would people be? How mad. Oh, they would be so mad. Oh, it would be so God. great. They would be furious. <laughs> that would be the funniest would be thing to happen great. in college football. The lo- oh, my God. I would love that so much. Yeah, and we'd be putting his face up everywhere. Miss me! It'd be like <laughs> it'd be like, it'd be like, like The Undertaker or something coming in WWE Raw, like, by God, that's Jim Trestle's music. Ah! That's right. And he comes, like, stomping right. in his sweater vest and, like, breaks. He'd come out of nowhere. Like, uh, I went to WrestleMania, I think it was seven, yeah. in Indianapolis, and um, nobody had seen Heidner Hair of the Ultimate Warrior in forever. <laughs> and, like, the, the, I forget what the marquee matchup was, but it was like Hulk was on one side. I forget who was on the other side. Um Papa Shango, maybe I don't know. Anyway, they were, you know, the bad, the villain brought in a second guy. Yeah. So they were wailing on him, and then all of a sudden, here comes the Ultimate Warrior oh out of nowhere. Nobody's seen him in months, and he helps, uh, he helps win the match. That'd be great. That would be the that would be the trestle esque thing to do there. Yeah, I gotta tell you something. If Irv Meyer like like has a heart attack on the sidelines, and then everybody's just looking at what they do, and then like smoke billows out of like. You know, the hole where the band comes out of. And then just this tiny little guy in a sweater vest and glasses just kind of saunters out like, all right, guys. The headset on. Yeah. <laughs> Diet oh, cherry Coke great. in his hand. So there you go, DJ. We're bringing back the vest. Yeah. So that's it for Ask Us Anything for this week. You can ask us anything by emailing us at our Gmail account, 11dubcast at gmail.com. Spell it all out, 11dubcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on the Twitter. I am 11w underscore Michael, and Johnny is Johnny11w. Yes. All right, joining us now on 11dubcast, very special guest, former Ohio State Buckeye, Matt Finkus, host of the big show 95.5, and an analyst on ABC6. Matt, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Great. Um, thanks for uh, joining us on the Dubcast. Wanted to get your opinion on this uh, Ohio State Buckeyes team here in 2014. Uh, what are your overall impressions of this team, and where do you think they can go? Well, you know, I think it's, it's obviously changed a lot. I mean, the use of this team is something that we haven't seen around Ohio State in a while, uh, especially when you take out a Braxton Miller, you take off a Noah Spence, um, and you, you just have so many young guys on this football team right now. I think that it's taken to this point maybe even a couple more games to really know what you've got. Um, we've heard so much about all these recruits for so long. Uh, you know, the, the Dontre Wilsons and the Michael Thomases, we've heard so much about them, but I think we're just now finally getting to see what they can do. Uh, as far as how far they can go, I, I think that, uh, you know, I was talking about it on the show this morning. I feel better right now about their chances of, of getting into the, 
into the playoffs than I did before the season when before Braxton Miller got hurt. I think that, that the way this team is playing and the way JT Barrett is running the offense, on the schedule that played out before him and kind of watching that Michigan State-Purdue game last week, and really just kind of the state of college football in general, I think that they have a lot of potential there, and if they continue to improve, then, then I really think that there's a, that there's going to be a pretty high ceiling for this team. That's one of the things that, that I think we've seen from this team that we haven't seen from teams the last couple of years is the improvement week to week. And, and that probably has a lot to do with the youth that, that's been on this football team. But you see this team getting better week in and week out, both offensively and defensively. You know what? That's actually – that's really what I wanted to talk about um, with you real quick because the past couple of weeks have been really crazy in college football. And before the last couple of weeks, I was like, man, I don't know how Ohio State stacks up against any of these teams. But now I'm like, I don't know if Ohio State is I, – I don't. I still don't think they're a top eight team. But, man, I don't know that they're that far off. So I just wanted to get your kind of opinion on that. Like how close do you think they are to being in that conversation right now? Right now, I mean, I think that, you, that you're right that they're outside of that top four, five, six uh, teams right now. But, but you know, there's still you still have the whole month of October, and you still have, you have seven games left to play. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's it's a huge amount of, of, of games. Is that right? Seven? Something, something like that. Six or seven. <laughs> um, yeah, seven. Uh, yeah. <laughs> seven. Yeah, seven games left to play. Plus, you've got you know the, the Big Ten championship game, and, and like I said, you know, when, when they're improving every week, uh, you you just don't know really, and that's what I think is so exciting about them. You see this offensive line who was just really in shambles in that Virginia Tech game and didn't know who to block. Uh, you know, I, I went back and watched the game, and the, there were times where they were rushing four, and still we had you know five guys blocking three and one guy running free. It, it just was poor communication, and that just comes from, from time and repetition. And I think they're getting better and better. So, yeah, I think right now, I mean, if you, if you pick the top four or five, they would be outside of that. But if they continue on this track that they've been on, with, with the progression that we've seen after that Virginia Tech game, kind of getting a game under their under their feet that you normally have early on in the season with the, with the Kent State, you know, coming into a Cincinnati game and that offense really taking charge of that, uh, you know, the defense had some mental errors there that it looks like they've got shorn up. I thought the Maryland game was going to be a lot closer than it was, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, with their wide receivers and their offense, the talent that they had on defense, I thought that was going to be a closer game. And that game to me really kind of woke up and said, okay, this, this team really has some potential. Um, I, I do believe that if they can continue on this track, if they're going to be in it at the end of the year, I just I don't see a, a one-loss Big Ten champion football team being left out of the college football playoffs. Matt, as a, as a former player, what goes through your mind – uh, coming out of a bye week, you, you know, you had a week off in the middle of this season. You got to get it cranked up again. Tell us a little bit about what goes through your mind as a player and how you approach games after bye weeks and how you approach the bye week itself. Well, you know, I mean, it was it was interesting because when I played, we didn't have bye weeks until you know until we got until I got into the NFL, and then it was just, you know it's just totally different experience of what you're having to go through. Um, you know, the, the way that they handle that is, is, I think is very unique. I was actually over at the facility today talking to some of the guys and we were talking about the bye weeks and kind of how it's, how it, it, it's, it's great if you're, if you need it. If you don't need it, it it's almost kind of a hindrance. And, and I think that you just have to approach it as, as again, with this young of a team. I think you approach it almost as taking a couple days of going back to basics and seeing what you can do with it. And I think that that's what this football team has done in both the bye weeks of just trying to approach this 
as, as more of a learning, more reps, you know, getting guys like Jalen Holmes more reps to see if he's able to fill in that Noah Spence position, getting, you know, more reps for, for those running backs and then that offensive line going through, let's pick up three or four more times. It's just, I, I think in this case, it does nothing but, but help your, your team. If you're a senior-laden team, a bye week, it, yeah, you, you might be resting up and, and being able to to just kind of rejuvenate your body, but, you know, you're not going to learn that much. You're not going to be able to, to improve that much on your continuity and stuff. I mean, if, if this was, you know, the 2012 team or even last year's team with that offensive line, they're pretty much set in what they're, what they're able to do and they know each other and, and you're not going to get that much better in a bye week where this team, I think you really had that opportunity to get better in these two bye weeks. Well, speaking of that, I mean, one of the things that we talked about last week was the importance of leadership on the team. And I guess in your opinion, who do you think is really stepping up and kind of filling that role this year, especially, you know, with Braxton Miller, maybe not being on the field, obviously as much as he, as he would be. I tell you what, I think that this is ironic and, and I've talked about this earlier this week as well, but I think it's two freshmen. I think that it's JT Barrett on the offensive side. And I really think that, that as I watch practice and as I watch these games, I think Raekwon McMillan is really emerging as, as a leader on that defense. And, and I think that it's both by, by their actions and both by the way they carry themselves. I mean, JT, I think that even in the midst of that Virginia Tech game, when he was just getting knocked on his ass every other play, he held his composure. He, you know, he didn't get frustrated. He didn't start barking at people. You know, he was always very encouraging. You know, I, I talked with, uh, with Brian and Tim Kite from the Focus 3 Culture quite a bit. They had nothing but positive things to say about JT Baird. He was the only freshman that went through that leadership training last year. And, and I think you can see that. I think he has a, I mean, the one thing you can tell on the offensive side of the football and a little bit on the defensive side of the football as well, but mainly on the offensive side of the football, a leader exudes calmness. And, and I mean, when you look at, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, I mean, you know the guys in the NFL that, that, are, that are known for it. They just exude calmness. You, you trust them. You, you, you kind of believe in, in what they're going to do and, and know what they're going to do that. And I think J.T. Barrett has a lot of that. And on the flip side, on the defense, um, you know, that's something to me watching. I mean, I watch the defense a lot more than I watch the offense, obviously. And that is just something that, that has been non-existent, in my opinion, on the defense side of the football for the last two or three years. They just they haven't had that guy. I mean, Ryan Shazier was a little bit of that guy, but he, you know, by nature, he's not that vocal guy that gets up in your face. And and defense is different. You don't have a, a quarterback, so to speak, that everyone looks to. So it's really more of a committee and, and just having one or two guys to really rally around and focus. And, and I think that they have that now. I think that, you know, with the linebacking core, and like I said, I think Raekwon McMillan exudes that on the field. You see those other guys that feel more comfortable when he's out there. You know, guys like Michael Bennett, guys like Joey Bosa, I, I think that, that you have to, it's lead by committee on defense, it's, it's a look up to the leader on offense, and that's a, just the way it is, and I think that the you know, Ohio State finally has that mix, and we heard so much about, you know, we're missing Christian Bryant and his leadership ability. I, I agree with that, but you know, communication has to be four guys and, and everyone leading in the, in the defensive backfield, or seven guys in the defensive backfield, and so it's it's kind of a different different means and a different attitude, and, and I think that they're finally starting to get that and finally starting to have it, and, and maybe it's just that the guys realize that, that, you know, no one else is stepping up. I need to do it. Yeah, you brought up the defense, Matt, and I know uh, that's a, a subject dear to your heart. The last couple of years have been a little rough on Ohio State defenses. Do you start? Do you see the beginning of a new era of silver bullets starting to take shape with this group? 
Um, I mean, I'll be real honest with you. I don't see it yet. Um, I, and I think that there's there's the potential there. But I think that, that, that you know, the way Buckeye fans look at this team, you've got to realize that, that there's a new sheriff in town in Urban Meyer, and his focus is offensive football. Um, you know, we had years where with, with, with John Cooper and, and Jim Trussell, the defense was an extreme, extreme focus. And it just, and that was the case. I mean, you, you know, it's different. I mean, he, he coaches differently. He has a different attitude. And I think people need to realize that we're, we're not going to be a, a, a top five, top 10 defensive team. I don't think with Urban Meyer here, because that's just not who he is. I mean, you look back at his history at Utah, at Bowling Green, even when he was winning national championships at Florida, those Florida teams average giving up 19, 20 points a game. And that's just, that's just who he was. And that's, that's who he is. And that's his philosophy. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but, but Buckeye fans, I think, need to, to come to grips with that and, and know that that's what's going to be the case here going forward, uh, unless there's some kind of major change. And college football has changed too. I mean, you know, there, there's rule changes. There, there's different things that have happened as far as, you know, what you're able to do, what, you know, the, the, the physicalness of the game has changed a lot. Um, and so you're probably not going to have those years again. I mean, you, you look at the top defenses in the, in the country. I mean, I don't know who you, who you consider the top defense. I mean, I watched the old Miss team the last couple, uh, games and, and they're a very, very good defense. You know, they're, they're still giving up, you know, 15, 20 points. I mean, it just, that's, that's the way it is. You're not going to, I think that, that the days of having that dominating defense, almost like Michigan State had last year, is really going to be more the anomaly than, than the norm. And I think Ohio State fans just need to get used to that. Now, there, there are some things that I think this defense can do to, to change the way that, that they think. And, you know, we, we were called the silver bullets. And, and, and I think it was, you know, 1996 when Fred Puggett took over is when that name really started to come about. And maybe it was because Coors Light was brown back then and it was just coming out. <laughs> but, 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 you know, we had that name because it was – the whole moniker was 11 silver bullets to the football. You wanted 11 guys. When the guy went down, you wanted to stop that frame. You wanted 11 – Ohio State helmets and jerseys in that picture frame. And we prided ourselves on that, running to the football every play. I mean, defensive linemen running and making a tackle on a slant route that, that completed by the, you know, quarterback to wide receiver. I mean, you just you ran to the ball every single time. That's something I'd like to see more of this defense. I mean, and, and I would think that, that that's, a, that's a point of pride that they can have and they can carry. And that's not coaching. That's not technique. That's just running pursuit drill. I mean, that's just, that's just getting into practice and being dog-ass tired and, and running your butt off until you get that ingrained in you that you don't stop and you play. I mean, Urban has that four to six seconds mentality and, and moniker, and that, that's great. But you sometimes it's more than four to six seconds. Sometimes it's, it's 10 to 12 seconds, <laughs> right. and you've got to make sure that you're getting to the football. And that's one thing I, I would like to see. As a, as a former defensive player, that's one thing I would like to see brought back to this team. You know, and that's something I think about because you know Chris Ash is obviously he was brought in to do a lot of the quality control on the defense, and you know I, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but are you saying like there's only just so much that you can scheme for? I, I know that was a big issue with Ohio State fans last year, but do you think that was the issue, or do you think it's simply just a matter of you know like an attitude? You know, there, there's scheme and there's 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 scheme, there's attitude and there's and there's play in this assignment. I mean, you know, I go back and watch that Cincinnati game, and three of those, you know, you have the three big touchdown plays. Right. Two of those I put on on players making just 
making. I mean, you can call the right defense. If the players don't play the defense, it's not going to work. Two of those long passes, I put on players not making plays or, or not doing what they're supposed to do. Now, I mean, the one at the end of the half, do you want to have a safety in the middle of the field or two safeties deep with that kind of time and that distance to go? Yeah, I mean, that's. I'll put that on the coaches. But, you know, fans think that there's this magic wand sometime that a defense or, or that any coach can just wave over a player or, or, or a team and make them play that they, the way they want. You know, a lot of it is execution. A lot of that is, is personal accountability of guys just doing the job. And not to say that, that you can't scheme – out scheme guys. I mean, you, you look at what Virginia Tech did to us in that game and, and, you know, their defensive staff beat our offensive staff. I mean, our offensive line was not prepared to, to, to pick up those blitzes. They didn't make the adjustments at halftime and we lost. And, and there's going to be those times where, where those kind of things happen. But the, the breakdowns that I've seen a lot in coverages over the last two or three years have been a lot of that miscommunication Guy's not talking in the secondary and let the guy run free. When you go back to the to the Orange Bowl and you got Sammy Watkins in the slot with Vaughn Miller in coverage and, and you know just runs right by him, well, should, there should have been a safety over the top of that, and, and the safety just bid on another play and went the wrong direction. But there's the now the average fan doesn't just doesn't see that. They say, oh well, you know we just we, we had a guy get beat or the coverage is here and and you know we're not playing the right coverage or we're playing too soft. But a lot of times that's it, it's a mental bust, and, and unless you know what you're looking at, then it, it's hard to see. You know, Matt, we uh, before you get out of here, this one thing I definitely wanted to ask you: you have you obviously have known Luke Fickle for a long time, and Luke has become a, a popular whipping boy with the fans for the way the defense has played the last few years. I want to you know defense, and you know what it's like to play the game. What is it that you can tell the fans about Luke Fickle? It, give us your honest opinion on the job he's done, not only this year, but in, in the last couple of years. Well, I think, you know, you look at the totality of, of what Luke Fickle has done in his career here at Ohio State. Um, you know, it, it's, it's real easy that we forget, you know, when, when he and Jim Haycock were co-defensive coordinators, that they had a top 10 defense, I think, for eight straight years. Uh, again, you have to realize that Luke isn't the one in charge of calling all the shots. You know, some of that rests on Urban Meyer and his philosophy. And, you know, I mean, Urban Meyer admitted it in a press conference, I think, a couple of weeks ago. He's an offensive-minded coach, and that's just the way it is. You know, Luke is a very good friend of mine, and I defend him all the time. And, and uh, I think that, you know, there, there's no one more competitive and no one that wants to kick your ass more than Luke Fickle does. I mean, and, and that's been that way that <laughs> I've known him since high school, and that's that's who he is, and that's what what has made him so successful. And to think that that he doesn't, you know, take these losses personally, or, or take these bad outings by the defensive personally, and that he just doesn't care, or that for some reason he can't get the job done, I think is is a little short sighted by fans. I mean, the, the guy is a national assistant coach of the year a couple couple times over. He he's again he has a great resume. Urban Meyer could have had anyone in the world on his staff here. I mean, it's just, it's the truth. I mean, this is Ohio State. You don't just get this job. I mean, an Urban Meyer had no ties to Luke Fickle. But if you trust in Urban, and, and it seems that most fans do, then I think that you trust in Luke Fickle. And I, I mean, and not to, not to get too much into this or to, or to maybe read too much into this, but I think that there's a reason why Everett Withers was, is now coaching at James Madison and Luke Fickle is still here because I think that Urban Meyer believes in Luke Fickle and, and what he can do. 
And I think that, the, that Luke Fickle's proven a lot of what he can do. And, and you're working, again, you're working in, in a system where, you know, you compare the offense under Jim Trestle and the offense under Urban Meyer. Your defense is defending probably anywhere from, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think that you're probably going to average at least 15 more plays a game I mean, that, that you're defending against. It's just the law of numbers is not working in your favor when, you, when your offense plays the style of offense in this hurry-up, attack, attack, attack mode. That being said, I, I think that, you know, coaches in college football in general, they they have to adapt to what they have and they have to adapt to, to, to the players that come in and develop with them. Uh, it's very easy to miss on a couple recruits and all of a sudden Zach Bourne is a fullback playing middle linebacker for your, for your football team. <laughs> Uh, right. I mean, th- there's a lot of reality to that. I mean, you can coach a guy all you want. You know, I mean, Curtis Grant is a great example of this. I mean, a five-star kid coming in. Uh, you know, I've, I've had conversations with Curtis. He's a he's a fantastic kid. I think he'll be a successful person in life. But he's he doesn't have that it. He just he doesn't have that it where he can be an, an elite level linebacker in 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 college football. Luke Fickle can coach him up all he wants. I've, I've sat there in spring practice and watched Luke go with him for years and say, no, this is your read. This is where you go, need to go. This is where you need to be. Sometimes players just don't develop. Now, I mean, is Luke Fickle going to look like a genius when Rayquan McMillan comes in and is an All-American? I don't know. I mean, are fans still going to say that he can't coach? You know, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it's just the world that we live in. I mean, don't forget Luke Fickle was a linebacker coach for A.J. Hawk, Bobby Carpenter, James Laronitis as well. Right. Yeah, Matt, that's a, that's a great point, and you know we really uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show on the on the Dubcast tonight and, and sharing your thoughts on on not only uh, Luke Fickle but of the Buckeyes and and college football in general. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, we hope to talk to you again sometime. Yeah, hey, anytime, guys. I, I love talking football, and I'm happy to do it. All right, have a good night. All right, guys. We'll see you. So uh, that was great having Matt Finkus on the show, Johnny. It's uh, it's about time to get out of here, but uh, you know I can't. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that it was really cool having uh, Matt on the show. Yeah, he's he's a very good friend of Eleven Warriors, and it's he man, he's blown up, and he's really good at, at like at his job. Like he's, I gotta tell you something. Like he's uh, a fun dude to watch on TV and listen on the radio. So I definitely recommend that people check him out. All right, but before we get out of here, we got one. Final question, as we always do, yes. Johnny, and I've got my question for you. Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. All right, so what we're seeing is a lot of these season-ending injuries, and my my question for you, Johnny Ginter, is if you, have, if you had your choice of any season-ending injury, you had to have one, what would your season-ending injury be? Oh, my God. So, wait, the actual injury or the situation that led to the injury? Well, what would the injury be? The actual ouchie that keeps you out? out uh, I don't know. Probably procrastinator's elbow or something. Like, something really <laughs> stupid that, like, I could have avoided just by, like, moving a couple feet, but I, I didn't, and then I, like, blew out my knee or something. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, well, I'm in this horrible position, and I guess my patella's about to pop out of place, but, man, there's, like, a marathon of the Simpsons on FXX, and I don't want to change the channel, and then... Then I'm out for like two years while they do reconstructive surgery. <laughs> nice. That's what nice. would happen to me. That that's my life. That's what would happen because I'm stupid. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, you know I wouldn't want anything that would prevent me from walking because um, I've had a broken ankle before and it's just no fun not yeah. being able to walk. Look, as long as my face uh, stays intact, we're good. All right, that's my money maker. <laughs> that's why I do podcasts that's, on the internet. That's, 
That's right. That's why. <laughs> that's why you are spending your life behind a keyboard right. and a microphone. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it would probably I'd probably have to be a concussion. Ooh. Oh, yep. Because, you know, just one quick blow to the head, and then all you got to do is, like, sit and watch TV. I got you. All right. I don't, I don't want to mess with that old brain pan, though. You know, like, you can fix it. I, I figure I, I couldn't hurt it any more than I already <laughs> have for the years. Anyway, there's not a whole lot to work with there. The warranty yep. has expired. <laughs> At least that way I could walk, and I would be would be able to, like, write and manipulate things. I don't know if you've ever hurt, like, your like even something like your thumb. If you ever hurt, like, your thumb, it's, like torture to do anything yeah so and i just couldn't imagine having to do rehab from something like a torn labrum or something like that that would just i wouldn't i would never come back from that you know i'm lucky enough to never had any major injuries i never broken a bone i got a lot of scars i got a lot of cuts and things like that uh but no uh yeah no major broken bones so i i luckily have not had to experience something like that but i'm trying to avoid it uh yeah (laughs) try to try to avoid things come true yeah (laughs) <laughs> all right, well, that's the uh, show for another week. We'll be back with an all-new Dubcast next week after the Rutgers-Ohio State Big Ten Classic. Yeah. And uh, and we'll see you then. Uh, until then, I'm Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace, everybody. Bye.